This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 168 of the Broadcast Podcast. We have recently been in a series called Change for Growth and we'll be coming back to that series soon. We're just going to pause the series today for a conversation between myself and Tim Simmons, who's one of my colleagues here at Christchurch Manchester. I just brought up a few days ago when uh, Tim showed me something that he'd read about the idea of people coming back into church and how enthusiastic people are to do that and the links between that and the way church leaders have um, set themselves up and uh, made decisions and how quick church leaders have been to open up again and that thought sparked off uh, observations from both of us that there are a lot of churches that are quite struggling at the moment to get people back into church and so we thought it'd be good to have a conversation around that topic and um, Tim what's been your insight into this here at CCM but also talking to other church leaders and, and friends who are in different contexts? I mean it, it's a fascinating microcosm probably of where the whole country is in the UK in that some people are desperate to get back and will do anything. Um, I imagine there are people who have already booked tickets for nightclubs on Monday evening when they're allowed to go and other people who just think that's madness and you know don't, don't want to. I, I imagine um, Every church has got a bit of that in it somewhere. Um, and I, I suspect as well, part of it is we all live with the legacy of the decisions and the tone that we have set in the last 18 months uh, for good and for bad. Um, and that, yes, and how we have had to deal with some of these issues of um, what we do online, what we do in person, um, how we approach our own people, how, how we care for our people, how we think about vision for the future, all of those things actually probably play into this point in history. And it's a difficult point because as well, half of us are probably thinking we're going to push forward for a month and then have to go backwards again uh, as we're looking happening in other countries. Um, so it's, uh, it is a time of turmoil and it is a very difficult time to make big leadership calls and actually these probably are even though they're quite administrative they're quite big leadership calls as well aren't they Tom? Uh, yeah absolutely so. Um, I think one of the, the things that's fascinating about the last year and a half is the difference in how much in-person contact different people have had. I mean some churches we're one of them have jumped at the opportunity as soon as we're allowed to open up in person we've done so in Obviously, we've modified our services, but uh, seeing people, I know others, they have barely met in person over, over a year now. And that must have quite a big impact in how you lead people and even how connected you are with the people that you're trying to lead. Um, and, I, and I wondered, if, if, you were, if you were in the shoes of a church leader that has not had an in-person service for... Uh, say 15 months now and you want to to do it and you've made the decision right now's time we're going to open up even to to know who's going to come and how how in people are i mean you, you said this morning to me that uh, you you know some churches where people turning up seems uh difficult but the finances are still there and people are still in with their money and 
I, I mean, where would you go if you were in that situation in terms of figuring out who do I have, who's with me, how do I kind of rally everyone back into this meeting that I want to do? What would you do there? It's, it, so I think in terms of, and this is a terrible word to use uh, as a pastor, it's not a good word for explaining what I mean, but I'm going to use it anyway because it's fun. Uh, in terms of your metrics for church health and thriving church i guess what what how do you read how the place that your church is in um and what the metrics are for that so so it's interesting some people have said um i don't know how many people i've got but the finances haven't dropped which is a metric uh, and then you have to decide whether that's a good one uh, <laughs> and actually one of our colleagues guy called colin Barron, has said well the finances are probably fine because there's no decision to make for most people as to whether they leave your church or not yet because there's nowhere to go and look at as such um, but saying so, actually as more churches go to in person that will quickly shift so money isn't the greatest metric, but it is a metric for church health, I think, actually. Um, and then there's the conversations that you have with your leaders and then as many of your people as possible to pick out where people are at. So you have to, it's a massively pastoral job. So we, we think it's a, um, an admin job to maybe we can start an in-person meeting and then an online meeting at the same time or people can come and watch the stream that you do or maybe you stream the service or what however whichever way you want to swing the cat um, but with this it's it, actually there's a big job in talking to all of your people and finding out where they are at in it and you it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation to get everybody to take a step forward uh, and sometimes you can't impose that you have to do it one at a time so that is probably that's the first thing i think to find out if you if you're in that place you're a bit stuck and how do i get people to come back you probably need to get around everybody which um it's not it takes a bit of time that it definitely does yeah i think um, i mean now we can have people in our homes and stuff just working the dinner table having different people around if they're comfortable in doing that and smaller groups round as well and it's yeah. building friendship isn't it i mean in the world before covid like one of the first things that that i'd be thinking when someone new walks through the door of our church is this person's likely to stick with us if they make six friends in the church and, yeah um, people can come and be impressed by the teaching have a great time in the worship and if they feel like they haven't clicked with anyone maybe they'll come back once perhaps but they're not going to keep coming back if it's not a place that they feel there's community and yep. this last year i think a lot of people's experience of church life has been teaching it's been online worship and it's been quite consumeristic and the friendship element depending on each individual some have leaned in and made it happen for themselves but for a lot it's been stripped back they haven't been having the the conversations around the service they haven't been uh, socializing with others from the church and just as that's the question of are these people going to join us i think it's a lot easier to ask the question are we going to leave this church if we don't feel connected in from a friendship point of view it's hard to leave a place where all your mates are it's quite easy to leave if you haven't talked to anyone over the last year and so i think you're dead right getting around people uh, just engaging with them the, the friendship with you and then helping them reconnect the friendships with everyone else is, is so important in that. I think one of the things that helped us and uh, I, by accident, actually, I think, um, was last summer we as leaders settled on the idea of 
planting six more sites of CCM. And that, that was our next phase. And uh, it, it was our, our senior pastor, Colin Barron, decided he wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it then took the rest of us a bit of time to catch up to it, partly because we, you know, we're knee deep in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Even next summer, when it eased up a bit, there was no vaccine. Everybody could see what was coming down the track, I think, um, <clears throat> in terms of the next wave. We, everybody talked about it as facts then. So, um, so I've, most of us who are kind of knee-deep in running the church were thinking, oh, gosh, how are we going to – can we push into that as well, like planting these new sites as well as just dealing with the way the world is at the moment? Um, but actually, I think it really helped us to have a big picture for the future um, of what we feel like God has called us to do what we believe in God for in this city. Um, and actually then all of the decisions after that kind of fitted into to that. Even the, even the, when do we go back to in person? Uh, actually we run our meetings and with the extra sites in mind. I mean, we would talk about them often and actually it became the, the driving force became that vision more than the, we need to get back to in person, which is quite a, it's quite a pragmatic, practical decision based on what the government tell us, <laughs> which is no way to enjoy vision and life in church, is it? Um, but so this was, it actually put it onto a different footing. So, I mean, I'm not saying every pastor who is having trouble getting his church back should therefore tell them all they're going to plant. Um, but actually, almost going back to your roots and reflecting, you know, what do you feel God has called you to? What do you feel God has called this church to? How do we drive forward into that? Uh, I mean, I think we we have done well because of that. And I'm not saying we did it on purpose. It was an accident. I think as you reflect back on the last year, you realize actually that it was so good for us. It's good for our staff team, good for our our, our senior teams. I think it was um, that was vital. So you know, if I'm talking to someone who's struggling, I would say to get their people back. Right, what what is it you're going for? What is the big vision? That would, that would be pretty important as well, I think. Yeah, no, it's really good. I, I think your point about this is what God's called us to, it's so helpful because before the pandemic, we, we were talking church planting all the time. This is who we are. And it's normal for us to be yeah. seeking God for where's the next place? What are we going to start? And the way we do it is not too disruptive to the services that we have at the moment. So we start sites really small. Uh, we have like just a handful of people meeting midweek and we grow them out. And so it's not that we're killing a site to plan a new site. We, we just don't work on that model. And I, I think coming back out of a pandemic, what we're not talking about is we want to break something that you enjoyed. We want to move away from one of the things that you've been deprived of for the last year or so. And now we want to stop that and do something totally different, which is vision, but it can be quite disconnecting vision for people who, who were just longing for, for the norms of gathering with other Christians, of uh, being together, of singing together, of having a cup of coffee together, of, of chatting together. I think it has to be a vision that's really true to who you are and true to why people have bought in. Um, this might be a slightly unfair thing to say, um, but I do wonder if... Um, this is a time that a lot of pastors over the last year have perhaps got a bit bored and there's a temptation to overthink things and want to do things differently for the sake of doing them differently. Um, there's a fine line, isn't there, between vision from God and wanting to break stuff because 
it's interesting for you as a leader to do and might not help the people. I don't yeah. know if there's any validity in that or. Yeah, well, it's um, now is not the time for deconstructing. <laughs> and actually, I, I'm viewing the conversations I've had with different pastors. They'll often say we can't go back to how we were. And, and that is a very big statement for them, often about we weren't seeing many people get saved or we weren't seeing many people get healed or uh, we feel like people were a bit stuck in a rut as the church. So we are going to completely deconstruct and be re- and a different thing. And um, it just, we've lived in a 18 months of deconstructing. I think people want to rebuild. Um, and actually, there may be, you know, if you if you're really feeling that that sense of actually we're just church needs to thrive something different needs to happen that's good and valid and like you're saying if you're hearing from god then you can't dismiss that at all um but i mean we're often talking ccm about having two tracks when we do big change there's actually you need a, a track which just keeps going and is relatively normal and then you need to start building in change on the sides so i've i can't even remember where i've heard it I think it might be a Terry Virgo quote, um, which is when they resurface a motorway, they always leave a lane open. So because the motorway still has to function. So when we're thinking, actually, we may need to do a bunch of work on the church. We may need to reorganize our community group structure or reboot Alpha or even our Sunday services are not doing what we we're desperate for God to do in them then actually now may not be the time for a big change, but it may be the time actually to start thinking, how do we build these things in slowly over a bit of time? Uh, I mean, I've, we're talking about doing things that we don't, we're not super comfortable with, or I'm not anyway, mm. because we've realized we need to rebuild community. So I'm, I'm not a big fan of children's services in light in the meeting like kids songs are just they just i want to walk out it's not good (laughs) and that kind of you know the kid is up front having to go at preaching or whatever it's not really my i don't enjoy it i don't i'm not a fan of it but actually people need to be together to have fun and laugh and be in the same room and enjoy um the fact that they can just it's it's you know not buffered by your internet or whatever and so those kind of community things actually are much more important now than they were i don't think people want to hear about we need to do a big change um and so, which is i think there's a part of the boredom of lockdown like you were saying i think there's actually it causes us to reflect on what is frustrating us uh, and what we're what we're stuck what in in ourselves and it's a it's a difficult moment for leaders to be in um but actually i think you're right i think deconstructing at this point um i think potentially you'd end up unpicking the damage for a couple of years afterwards which is not what anybody wants yeah i mean it's interesting we we had someone come into one of our services on sunday who uh, during lockdown had decided he wanted to give his life to god after watching something on netflix and then had waited for quite a long time because churches were closed and didn't feel comfortable coming in and then came into our service and told us that this was the case for him and it's fascinating to to just wonder how many more people are there with that kind of story who in lockdown god's been doing something in their life and we don't know what it is um and over the next six months we may well see numerous stories where we just need to be ready to gathering a bit of a harvest and respond to stuff that's been going on that we have no idea about and if too much of our energy is on messing with the way we do things and uh, try to use the word deconstruct 
do we miss that opportunity then to to be ready to uh, pick up on all these things that might have been happening? Mm. Yeah, I and mean, that's really the the idea that the spiritual life of our nation might have shifted, mm. um, but we can't see it yet. There's no way to know what has happened to people in the last year. The trauma that some people have experienced, the abject boredom the, uh, that some have experienced. Some people have had a great time in lockdown and life has been easy. Some have it's just been awful. But what that has done to us as a, as a people group in our, our cities, I don't think we even are, are close to understanding the long-term impact on city life, particularly. What, I mean, we know people who are slowly moving to the edges of cities because they realize they can, what that means for city churches like us uh, and the, the lives that people lead. It's impossible to know. So you kind of, yeah, you want a big wide open net for people to come at like this guy. I mean, I think that guy watched 10 commandments. <laughs> I think he watched a Charlton Heston film and that caused him to find God, which I think is astounding. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. God can use anything. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've been um, in uh, the Gorton site that I lead. We've done a four-week series on Haggai, mm. um, mainly because I read it in lockdown and God just really spoke to me through it. This idea that they they had to rebuild the temple, but they also had to deal with all sorts of stuff in their hearts. Mm. And that Haggai was prophesying about, really. They, they were dealing with disappointment with what the new temple looked like compared to the old one. Trauma of exile and the, what they had felt in that, as well as the sin that was on them too and in them. And this idea of rebuilding the temple was a little bit of a picture of actually just rebuilding their relationship with God mm. and coming back to God and putting God at the center of their national life, which is often how kind of the prophets after exile are talking about. But also it was clearly for them as individuals as well. Um, and it's, there's a, it points towards Jesus loads in Haggai. Uh, and so as you're reading it, that what I've been preaching is actually we, we need to come back to God. That's the thing that we, that's the always the big what what do we need to do now we need to find god we need to come back to him we need to put him at the center of our lives and i just i hope that there are unbelievers around who are now doing who are now on that journey but i think probably as believers we need to reassess those things more than how we run an organized church i think so yeah, yeah. i think that's really important i was talking to someone last night about um for churches in this season coming up it's going to be a massive front door. And we'll talk about that guy as an example, but we'll be seeing loads of people, but also a massive back door. And that's where we started this conversation. The people yeah. who were with us on regular before the pandemic started and now have, have drifted into a, I guess you could say hyper caution. And mm. th this idea that I won't come back until I feel safe. Mm. which sounds laudable but how, how do you quantify that what level of safe it's always easy isn't it to delay that until it's a little bit safer and a little bit safer still and i know people say they're not going to come back till till next year even um and so it's quite a difficult thing for, for churches to figure out what to do and around streaming as well um i was down at a conference and asked quite a few people like hey what are you doing about streaming and Pretty much everyone would say, oh, we'll, we'll keep going with it. We'll, we'll do in-person meetings and we'll do streaming. Now, we, we've ditched it. I think this coming Sunday will be the last Sunday we'll have anything streamed because we've been having the conversations with people and getting people back in the room. Um, I mean, do, do you think there's something in uh, continuing streaming as a 
provision? Do you think that's worth churches thinking about, or or would you encourage other churches to go down the route that we're going down and um, put an end date on it, even if it's not the same end date we've chosen, but work towards a a point by this date we'll have integrated everyone back in in person and we'll, we'll call an end to the streaming thing. Yeah, I mean, you need to have a deep conversation about how people are part of your church, really, don't you? I mean, which we've, I'm sure everybody's had these conversations and I've swung from, if you watch us online, you're a dedicated <laughs> member to if you watch us online, you're not. <laughs> so I've done that. I did those swings in about the first four months of lockdown. Um, just as you try and process what's going on around you. I, I mean, it's interesting. Us stopping was driven by the practical and we don't own our own building. We have to set up everything, and pack it down every week. Um, we have storage in our venues, but we're, we're not in charge of the broadband in or any of our venues, all of those things. We don't even have office space, so we could set up a, a studio or something like that. Um, we had to buy a bunch of camera gear at the beginning to kind of beef us up. Um, and so we, we go into it, infrastructure and technical ability being really quite low compared to numbers of other churches. Um, and that has kind of, I think, forced us a little bit to, to our, the pace that we have gone at getting people back. Um, but we also had, we had the philosophical discussions and we talked about, do we need to start renting somewhere? Do we need to kind of get a base, even if it's only big enough to film in? Uh, and what does that mean for us? Uh, and how we're going to how we're going to attack that um and actually nobody really felt very comfortable with it if we were honest um and so I, yeah i mean there was a point i wanted to plant a site of ccm <laughs> I I was that. on the internet and anybody on the internet could join <laughs> and somehow we'd reach the whole planet and uh, there are still days where i think it's a brilliant idea but <laughs> i don't think it is um so it's uh, um, yeah, it's a hard, really, I think actually, I'm, we may regret what we're doing. Actually, we may end up leaving some people behind by accident. We have talked to us, pretty much everybody. We had so few people watching our streams that it was easy to work out who they were and talk to them. Uh, and we found numbers of people, actually, when we had the discussion, were like, oh, that's fine, we'll come back. In fact, the majority. So there's, but there will be a few who it, it, that will be difficult for. Um, but a very, very small group. As part of the beginning of the discussion, we just made sure we worked out where everybody was and we were talking to everybody. Um, so we had contact with a lot of people, either via us or via community group leaders. So, um, yeah, so I, I don't, yeah. I'm not a fan of the stream. I, I've, after a while, I got fed up of them, and like everybody did. I got slightly fed up of what it was doing to me as, as a pastor and becoming more the content creator uh, than pastor and I'm aware I'm saying that on a podcast which is a bit of content that we are creating but actually is how I looked after our people and how we shepherd the flock and actually do we do that via content um, and you know so we have to be that, that I found that was difficult and I wasn't enjoying that feeling of detachment um, and so I, I was quite happy for streaming to go also we just weren't very good at it we could we struggled to make it look good and I think it should look good um so yeah that's a rambling answer yeah i mean i think those two points are a bit connected for us aren't they i mean the reason it didn't look good is because right from the start we said we're going to do this in as much of a community way as we can so yeah. each of our sites will do their own thing people from that site will be involved in the music and, and, and the teaching and 
hosted and all, all of that stuff we we tried to go local and when you've got a site of 40 people trying to put something on you can just throw less tech resources than if you're doing one thing for 300 people it's just a different yeah. thing isn't it um, but I mean, I, I reckon where where we started, and where you've just brought us back round to again, is I think probably the key thing for any church or pastor who's struggling with the question of how do we move from here to to where we want to be, is community, it's getting around people, it's sharing lives with people, and I think over lockdown, the thing that's been the most challenging is the life on life bit of church. I think a lot of churches have figured out. How do we get a sermon to people? How do we get some music to people? Mm. How do we stay in people's lives has been much more difficult. And mm. you know, some churches have done better than others at it. But yeah. that's been the, the point that's hard. And to get people back in won't happen without that. To, to end streaming won't happen without that. If you're a church who's got 100 people watching the stream at the moment, and you said we're stopping it next week, you'd you'd be asking for trouble. You'd lose a load of people. You wouldn't be serving your people well. But to be slowly walking with people, helping them make those steps back into community as well as just consumer Christianity. Um, it's probably unfair to call people who are just watching the stream consumer Christians, but I know what you mean. consuming and engaging less is, is what I mean by that. But to, to walk people through it bit by bit, I guess then you can you can make those calls about what will our meetings be like? Will we sing? Will we wear masks? Will we do hospitality? Will we have kids groups? Will we offer a stream? If you know where your people are at and what you're doing and their willingness to go with you on different things, then you can start making the smart decisions. But if, if you don't know that, it's, it's hard to know what to do then, isn't it? So that's probably the, I, I guess the summary of what we're saying really is, is that. I mean, do you, do you have any other thoughts on, the topic that you'd want to throw in or the i mean i just think you're absolutely right relationship is key i think a big un, knowing what god has called you to as a church is key mm -hmm. and and it gives purpose to those relationships and to the conversations that you will have about getting people back so uh, i i was thinking as you were talking even your little comment about consumer christians there and uh, actually it's a high value for us is that people turn up on Sundays regularly and it's quite an unfashionable point of view but I think if you want to hear from God you want your life to change you want to impact your community um, you then I think the discipline the spiritual discipline of being at church with your believing community and serving I think is just a vital vital thing uh, in a highly individualistic culture which has become more individualistic in the last 18 months. I think that's super important. Um, and, and so that is part of the vision and of who we are and what, where we want to go and what we want to do. Uh, and so, I, and that has kind of driven our conversations mm. with people. So with this, it, you're absolutely right. The relationship is important, but if you go into those relational conversations without an idea of this is who we are, this is what God has called us to, you'll end up trying to please everybody which is an impossible place to live and is exhausting and the pastors have breakdowns when they're trying to make everybody happy um, but you do want to take as many people as you possibly can with you and I think everybody if you can so um, yeah that's my final thought Thomas. Great thank you very much for, for your time today Timothy and um, <laughs> thanks everyone for listening we'll be back on another podcast episode soon 
Um, yeah, but go well, and um, you can reach out to us at the Broadcast Network or check out our website if there's, a, if there's anything that you think we can help you with. See you, everyone.